This podcast is sponsored by Agape Match. Agape Match is a boutique matchmaking service that caters to exceptional singles. To learn more about how I can help you, go to agapematch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I have combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, each week I bring a guest on to talk about dating and relationships while answering your questions. You can ask a question by visiting askamatchmaker.com. In this week's episode, I am speaking to comedian Gus Cosandelis. This week, we'll be doing something different. We're going to dive into pop culture and how TV and movies have truly screwed up the way we look at romance. Maybe. Possibly. I don't know. Let's see. Gus Cosandelis is a first-generation Greek-American LGBTQ+, stand-up comedian and writer. He regularly performs at Caroline's on Broadway, Stand-Up New York, and all over the tri-state area. He brings his unique perspective of growing up in New York City with immigrant parents to his stand-up writing and vibrant personality. If you're Greek like me, you probably know him from the Greek mom bits that we are all obsessed with. Gus, welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We were talking about movies and TV shows and how they've completely effed up the way we think like relationships are supposed to go or like what is actually romantic. And I just felt like we should really discuss this on the pod. Right. I mean, I think what's so interesting is like you spent, especially with a show like Friends that goes on for like 10 years, the major arc of a, of a show like Friends is becomes, will these two people fall in love? And it's like, that's kind of not how life works at all. And I think that was the main question we were asking ourselves of like, in Friends and in Cheers and in other things, there's always this like, will they, won't they situation. Whereas in real life, it's just like, they won't, they just won't. <laughs> Or if they do, they just do it and that's it. It's never like 10 years drawn out of this like situation. And you're talking about TV now. I mean, sometimes it's not even like, will they or won't they? My question is like, should they? Like whenever I see the Carrie big story thing play out, I'm like, this is horrible. Why are you pursuing this? You should not get married to him. Avoidant personality disorder, avoidance, uh, narcissism. There's just a lot going there. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I think that Cheers made a great decision to not have Sam and Diane end up together in the end, because the expectation was that they were always going to be together. And then to switch that in the finale and be like, no, they're not going to do it, I thought was really interesting and a twist on that. Okay. So what are your favorite shows? What are your go-to shows when you're lounging around the house? What's on repeat? Oh my God. My favorite show is Grey's Anatomy. I can't get enough of it. I love it so much. I started watching that show when I was 12 and I'm now 28. Do you know what I mean? Like I've spent more time watching Grey's Anatomy in my life than living. Right. It's like when immigrants are like, I've been in this country more than I've been in my, in my, I've been in America more than I've been in my home country. It's like, that is my relationship with Grey's Anatomy. It's like, I know, I know nothing without it. (laughs) In the 2012 election, I stood behind TR Knight or 007 from Grey's Anatomy. Wow. And that is my Grey's Anatomy, I know, fun fact in my life. 
that's funny because he was probably in New York because he was doing Broadway at the time. Yeah. And I, of course, didn't say anything. I was just like staring at the back of his head. And I was like, right. this is 2012 too. So, I mean, like a whole lifetime he ago. He was long dead. He was long yeah, dead. He was like, what am I going to do? Resuscitate him now? Like, uh, right, right. Like, which relationships do you like from Grey's Anatomy? I love that you mentioned I mean, Grey's Anatomy. The thing is, Grey's Anatomy is the perfect example of what we're talking about, I feel, because first of all, it's been on for 16 years. And so there's so much history with those characters and like they have had so many ups and downs in terms of their relationships where like they have relationships that have ruined people from the show. Like I know people that are like, I hated when blank and blank got together so much in season blank that I stopped watching. So they funny that you say that. Lose so- large portions of their audiences and then regain so portions. It's wild. After Mick dreamy died, I took a break for a year. Rest in peace. I wore black for like a week. I'm not even, I don't even own black. I wore black. My coworkers bought me flowers and a card and they were like, we're so sorry for your loss. Like it was a very big moment. Because you know what it is about that show? It's that like, okay, so I'm not a clinical psychologist to like diagnose anyone here, but Meredith Grey is clearly a a narcissist. Yes. (laughs) And you know, finally, finally, after what was it, 12 years at that point, like they're finally like cutting the bullshit and they're going to be like a real couple and it's like finally happening. And then he dies. Spoiler alert. By the way, if you haven't even like heard this, or you know, if you haven't watched it, right, it's not my fault, but spoiler alert, McDreamy dies. I'm just like, I was so upset that I was like, I can't watch this. So I took a break for two years. And then when I was pregnant with my first, I was like, let me watch little Grey's Anatomy catch up because season 13 and 14 and happened and 15 was beginning. And at the end of four, uh, the beginning of season 15, was it, I think when he like one of the characters like punches someone out, like beats the crap out of someone in his apartment. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I Alex was like, Craven. yeah, Alex Craven. And I was like thinking like, oh, they're going to put him in jail now. Like I can't handle it. Forget it. I'm not going to watch this again. And I haven't watched it since then. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't stomach losing another favorite character. So one of my biggest pet peeves with this show is that Izzy leaves in season six and Katherine Heigl wanted nothing to do with the show. And she was like, I'm done. I don't care. She was like in a mid cancer storyline. Like her life was in the balance. And she was like, I hate Shonda Rhimes. I'm done. So in in season six, she literally just takes off and leaves one day. She's like, that's, and that was her entire, that was it. No, not at all. She, she comes back. Well, she left. There was a three episode break where she didn't show up for a while because she wasn't showing up on set in real life. And then she comes back and she literally just packs and she's like, bye, Meredith, I'll see you later. And then just disappears. And you never see her again until season 16. Wait, she's never in got- this season? This, now you're going to make me go s- watch Grey's Anatomy. Like, I don't even have time and now you're going to make me watch Grey's Anatomy. They don't get Katherine Heigl to guest star. It's all told through like silhouettes and like, you know, whatever. But the, the way the story goes is that Alex Karev, the actor that played him wanted to be off the show in season 16. He was like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. And literally one day just stopped showing up to set apparently. And they had to retroactively like rewrite his character out. And the way they decided to do it. And first of all, I want to point out by this point on Grey's Anatomy, he has like found love, forgotten love, found love again, gotten married. He's in a happy marriage. Everything's great. And then all of a sudden he disappears on the show. And then Uh through a series of letters that he writes to all the characters, we find out that Alex Karev went to go see Catherine O'Izzy and found out that Izzy had his babies Uh after- 
and literally had twins and then literally decides to just stay with Izzy and they fall in love again. And that's it. Alex is gone. So we don't see him and what it's like 10 year old twins essentially it's like yeah seven eight year old twins that are now his that he's like oh yeah let's try this again you live in indiana i'll do this and that's this dysfunctional relationship from season one let's start it up again see this is what's right my most favorite story ever was like the izzy and denny denny storyline like oh he's oh my god sexy like that's not even fair like why like, I wanted him to survive because I just want to like look at his face more. Anyway. That is crazy. I did not find him sexually attractive at all. So my go-to show, I have two, possibly three. Okay, I have three. I'll be admit I have three. It's The Office, obviously, Parks and Rec, and Scrubs. Great. And Scrubs has the same like will they, won't they? with yes. one couple and then the other couple to me it's like it's actually a pretty good relationship i kind of like the partnership that you know the, the, that the other couple has but let's i just want to focus on like parks and rec and the office right like all the characters that you like see in parks and rec i like it because i feel like it's it can happen people seem to really respect each other and there is no will they won't they for like the entirety of a whole series so like leslie nope with ben wyatt and april and andy to me this is like it's like fun and then you just kind of see ron recycling through the tammy scenarios so to me it's like okay this makes sense i like this the office i don't have the same feeling Mm. i always look at like jim and pam and i like especially now in the trump era i'm i always think like these people would never be together right i mean the thing is you can argue that uh, gray's anatomy is essentially just a, a a show it's a, about it's a soap how, opera uh, it's a show about a hospital that doesn't have hr that's like essentially what it is you know i mean and so is the, the office it's like where the, was HR in the, the annex hello that's where toby is in, right yeah right, right right i mean it's just funny because it's like i mean how can you be an american workplace comedy and not have a, a love storyline parks and rec works because you have chris traeger constantly being like this is a government and you need to like not abuse money for your relationships but in the office right. and you don't have that like the thing in the office it's like i always wonder like would would jim really end up with pam because I, I feel like if you have a crush like that for that long nothing nothing even if you got together it's never going to meet the expectations you've set up like have you right. ever when you were single do you remember ever talking to someone on the phone for like way too long before you met them God, all the time. And that was the worst is, or, or through text. Like I would text th- with them through Tinder or whatever app I was using and just endlessly for like, because whatever was going on in our lives meant that we were too busy to meet until the Tuesday after next March. And so it was like, oh, I guess we'll just text until then. And by the time we texted, it was like, I have lost interest in this person. I never want to meet this person in real life. Like I already know what annoys me about them. I, what are we going to talk about when we meet in real life? And so to that to that point, like I stopped texting as much before the date because Mm. I would, I hated like getting so much hope and then being disappointed over and over again. And it was because it was like, we just have to organically get to know each other in person. And that's what I feel like when you see with like Pam and Jim, it's like, it's not texting. It's actually in real life interactions. And I just feel like if you sanctify someone that much throughout years, like this happened over seven years, I suppose, before they finally got together in season four, you're just like, uh, there's just no way that could meet all of your expectations. I, I just, I mean, happy to be proven wrong. The reason why I don't think it would work in the Trump era is because I honestly believe that Pam would be a Trump supporter and Jim would not be a Trump supporter. 
Wow. Okay. Interesting. Do you ever play I mean, this game? I always play this game. Like, who's a Trump supporter in this show? You know, actually, I really don't. I think, like, you know, because, like, because I feel like most of the shows I watch are just either, like, very liberal or it's, like, very clear, like, oh, Ozark. Like, those are all Trump supporters. You know what I mean? Like, that is a family of Trump supporters. They live in the Midwest. It is what it is, which is great. I mean, I love the show. But I think, like, unless the show is political, then I don't really, I really just don't feel like I, I need to know where they lie politically. Oh, I don't need to know what they lie politically, but I always wonder, like, I wonder what this couple fights about when they go home. I mean, I do this in real life, too, like, in person. Uh, when I meet people, I always think, like, wonder what they fight about at home. Oh, my God, right. Oh, I, can, I also love when I hear couples, like, on the street talking about things. There are things that I feel like they should have talked about by by now, but they haven't. Like the <laughs> like other what? day I was like the other day I caught this gay couple and they were walking their dogs. And so like, you know, you see a gay couple and they're walking their dogs and it's 930. You assume, okay, they're married or they live together because they are walking their dogs together at night uh, and probably live in Park Slope. And so they were saying something like, oh yeah, you know, I just don't really know about this election. I just feel like you know, Trump really has got to go. And I was like, haven't you talked about this in four years? Like, haven't you had the time to discuss this? But I find myself catching little things like that all the time where I'm like, what do couples talk about outside? I am, this is like the thing that I'm like obsessed with. Anytime I meet a new couple, like if, if one of my friends right now is listening to me talk uh, on the pod, yes, I have definitely thought about you and your boyfriend or you and your girlfriend. And I've wondered, ooh, what do they fight about? <laughs> <laughs> it just gives me more context, I think, to like, what are they sensitive about? What's the relationship like? Okay, so I had asked my followers on Instagram, what is your favorite non-rom-com rom-com? I mm. specifically asked that question because I like to see how people view relationships and mm. essentially sexual tension in a movie. And so, okay, really quick, what is a non-rom-com rom-com? A, non- a, rom- a romantic comedy is what rom-com means. And there are movies that are not under the genre of romantic comedy, but they have a romantic comedy plot. One of the characters' plot lines has a little romance in it. Mm. So like a perfect example, let's say, is South Park movie, which is not a rom-com, but Saddam Hussein, Saddam Hussein and Satan have a romance happening. Which is similar to my relation. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um Right. My, my favorite non, non-rom-com rom-com is Deadpool because it's a superhero movie that's essentially about this guy trying to get this woman that he loves back. But also in Deadpool, it goes a step further because it's also like the emotional arc of the movie. It's not like a B story or anything. It's like really what drives the character. And like, I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition to have this like nasty person that's supposed to be a superhero that's not a superhero and be really just like not disgusting, but like vile and vicious the whole movie and technically an antihero. But like the main thing that motivates him is love, which I feel like is a great way to write a character. And it's also structured like a rom-com, weirdly enough, like the... Like the movie structure follows the same movie structure as like Notting Hill would essentially. Like it Does is it my really. Best. I did not even it, notice like, this. If, I swear, I I literally watched Deadpool and I did this research. I was like this, and because I think I was watching a lot of Julia Roberts rom coms at the time, and I was like, wow, this is just my best friend's wedding, but like with some action scenes, really. <laughs> Which Wait, I thought was Deadpool? cool. Yeah. It also, I have to go rewatch is, it thinking this way. You have to think about it in that way. You, now that really, you mentioned that, do you like My Best Friend's Wedding? Have you watched it recently? I have not watched it recently, but I, people love that movie. I thought it was fine. I, 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 it's also pure cringe when I watch it now. 
like as an adult when i was a teenager i was like this is an amazing movie they have a singing part i'm obsessed i love it but now as an adult i'm like oh that was surprising about it was that they don't end up together like that was the only surprising part of that movie which I think is what it was going for. It was like it was like a traditional '90s rom com that came out like later in the '90s, and it was trying to break the mold of like what a rom com, and especially what like a Julia Roberts rom com had become at the time, because okay. she had done like a string of these. Let me tell you what what sets me back with that movie, My Best Friend's Wedding. Cameron Diaz is 20 years old. Like her character oh in the movie is 20 years old. So when you yeah, know that gay character is very problematic you know better than I do. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the gay character in that movie is like what straight women think gay men are. Mm, yeah. Um, which, yeah. Which is problematic. Yeah. <laughs> right. But like when you watch this, like as a 35 year old woman, when I watch my best, my best friend's wedding now, and I think like, Oh, she's only 20. And she's saying all these really big things, like these grand gesture kind of statements. It's like, Ooh, this is, this is cringe. My favorite non-rom-com rom-com. I have a tie. It's, uh, <laughs> it's between the movie Twister and Total Recall. Funny the first one, not on, the second one. <laughs> Twister's on like Peacock or something. And we're, we're watching it like this weekend, which I can't wait for. Now I'm going to view it through the, this non-rom-com rom-com eye. There is just this insane sexual tension between Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt, especially when he's like putting a walkie talkie on her. So like the the characters are divorced. They're about to get divorced, but they need to come together one more time to put Dorothy in front of a tornado. And it's just, they end up together, which I mean, like for me watching as a dating professional, I'm thinking like, yeah, you're definitely going to divorce or someone's going to get murdered in three years, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's fun to watch like them interact. I think they just have really good chemistry as characters as people, right. as actors. Oh my God. Um, Another one of my favorite non-rom-com rom-com movies is Star Wars uh-huh. The Force Awakens. Because I have never it... watched a Star Wars movie. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to judge you for not watching a Star Wars movie. It's like, because here's the thing, you have seen a Star Wars movie. You just you just haven't actually sat down and watched a Star Wars movie. Like my boyfriend has never seen a Star Wars movie, but if I showed him a picture of every single character, he would be able to name every single one of those oh, yeah. characters. Oh yeah, I can, I know because the references. that is Star Wars. It has like permeated, it has permeated like society in such a way that you anyone knows what it is you don't need to watch these movies anymore but like in the force awakens there was this like very clear sexual tension between the two new male characters poe and Mm -hmm. finn that like all the gays were like this is so hot like oh my god and we read into all this subtext and then like whatever director was like oh yeah that wasn't intentional but like you know we're glad it's there and then one of the oscar isaac was like oh yeah, we, I totally played up the gay thing. I really wanted them to be two gay characters. I thought that would be really cool in a Hollywood movie. And then the director for the next one was like, anything could happen. And then like completely just wiped the whole thing. And then seven, eight and nine had no sexual attention. And I was so disappointed. So when I asked it on Instagram, not favorite non-com, non-rom-com, rom-com, people kept sending some of the same movies. And the one movie that I found really problematic was A League of Their Own. Oh, I've never seen Because, that. yes, okay, it's a non-rom-com, check. And then I'm like, where is the rom-com? You can't possibly be referencing Marla singing on a stage. So mm. which is it? And they would say like, oh, the ma- two main characters, like John, Tra- not John Travolta, what am I saying? That would have been interesting if it was John Travolta though. Uh, Tom Hanks and Gina Davis. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, at what point do they flirt? Like, is this what you think? And then that just, because so many women had said a league of their own, I talked about it with my sister and I was like, now I know why some women are fucked up because well, in this movie, I rewatched it after they said this to me. And I'm like, in this movie, there's, I don't see sexual tension. I see two equals having a frank conversation about relationships, the war, and you think this is sexual tension? No wonder I get messages on Instagram every Wednesday that are like, I like my best friend. How do I tell him? And I'm like, he's not into you. Right. And that is one way that like pop culture has ruined our perception of love or romance in a way. I think that a lot of movies and TV shows make the argument that like, romance is only you only get brought together because of trauma in some way and like twister being a good example or like anytime there's a love story in an action movie it's only because like the movie's trying to say like look trauma and crazy experiences can bring people together and that that is true look trauma bonding is a real thing but not at right, the degree. It, right. That... Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to fall in love with somebody because a building is falling on them. Or right. Someone said <laughs> the first, the, the first crash movie or, or uh, speed, speed, that movie with the, with the bus with Sandra Bullock. It's like, there's no reason, like you're just like trying to save a bunch of people on a bus. Like you don't have to fall in love, but like, here we are. And here I am like, you know, me and my boyfriend never got into a bus crash, but I love him anyway. <laughs> well, you're already established relationship, but like, okay, that, now that you mentioned speed, fantastic example. Okay, you're in a essentially a terrorist scenario. And I feel like if that was over, like, oh my God, we survived, you'd see me running to my family and my friends. And I'd be like, see you next year. Like to the guy, I would, you know, to Keanu Reeves, even though he's sexy as hell in this movie, I would just turn him and be like, all right, uh, see you when I see you. See you at the lawsuit right. that we're going to go forward with this. My lawyer will contact your lawyer. Like, I don't right. see. It's like, where did they fall in love? So, okay, now that you mentioned that, this, where did they fall in love? So in terms of like romantic comedies that like I constantly ask, like, where did this couple fall in love? What's it's it always a baggage claim. It's always a baggage claim. It's, you know <laughs> well, what I mean? It's like. Tom, Tom <laughs> Hanks and Meg Ryan uh, in uh, You've Got Mail. How did they fall in love? So that's my issue. I watched that movie on a plane recently and I was like, I don't get this. Like, I don't get this at all. Like, other than the whole, like, save local businesses subplot, I was like, this is dumb. Like, they hate But each even other. every conversation they had was about it's him. vile. Right. And it's also, and vicious. It's not like, it wasn't like a fun conversation. Every right. conversation they had leading up to the moment where he, first of all, knew for like days that she, she was the person on the other email they like only had nasty conversations that ended in her being upset and i was like you suck meg ryan i don't know what your problem (laughs) is but like you need to fix this however on the other end of like how did they fall in love i will tell you the movie ever after i know you haven't seen it i'm gonna force Uh you to see it i actually after i texted it to you like a few days ago and then i actually went on to apple movies and just bought it (laughs) ten dollars everyone uh i love that movie and i love that movie because it actually shows how someone can fall in love it shows a prince and a peasant and every conversation they have is not about them it's about what their view is on a certain philosophy it's actually mostly philosophical discussions and about building a university library and i'm just like wow like here you are interacting over a few days of many hours about philosophy you're learning about how their brain works 
uh, yes, you, you know what? Permission granted. You two can fall in love. I don't see that ever in a lot of movies. Like most romantic comedies just do not make any sense to me. Because someone picked the wrong thing at baggage claim or they meet because someone dropped their coffee or they meet because someone is, you know, trying to take down their bookstore and they're trying to save the bookstore. <laughs> it's never like, oh, we went on a date or we met through a friend or whatever realistic thing. Because, I mean, obviously it's a movie and they want there to be a moment and to create a moment, it needs to be like, oh my God, this is so cute. It's like a, a Star is Born, which should be like a romantic movie. I mean, it is a drama, so it's not a rom-com. Like they meet in a bar and they have one night together and then then he just like keeps what, like impressing her with all his money. He steals her song, first of all. What a thief. He does steal her, like he low-key steals her song and like, kind of gives her credit i mean i loved it don't get me wrong i was like give this movie every oscar i cried my eyes out i love lady gaga so much you cried i did not cry i remember being in the movie theater with my mom and at some point like everyone in the movie theater was sobbing and i was like oh my god am i dead inside now listen i want you to know i watch every time i watch armageddon to this day i will cry at the end of that stupid movie so there is no reason why i didn't cry at stars born but I don't right. know. But, well, it, maybe it's because their whole love story was predicated on one night and not an actual relationship. Because it's not. I mean, she like what punches a guy in a bar and then they go to a supermarket to get ice and like <laughs> then like have a and then like have a conversation about songwriting and she's just like I'm in love with him and it's like okay, well, why? I don't understand. I well, mean, I, I can't say why from, she's like, in love with him. He's like a celebrity, so she probably knows more about right. him. But why is he in love with her? No one knows. I mean, no one, I think it's, she's also in love with him because she has a complicated relationship with her father and like alcoholism and whatever. And like, he's in love with her because he sees, you know, a a youth and a, uh, like a newness to her that he hasn't seen in a long time in the music industry. Like I get it, but it's really, I mean, I haven't seen like really. Okay. (laughs) I just, let me tell you something. I just, I've just read a lot. I've just read a lot of interviews about this movie because I love this movie. And like, even I had to roll my eyes at all of that. I was like, this is a love story that you wanted to be a love story that there really is nothing there. If I was, if I'm being honest, but I liked the movie. As a gay man, are there any movies where you see yourself? No, not really. That's, I mean, not, not really, really like, did you ever watch Schitt's Creek? Yes. I so mean, I like do the TV, TV is so different. Like the love story yeah. between like David Rose and Noah Reed. I like that exists in mainstream because I think people might be more open to equal rights for the right. LGBT community if they have even on TV, just more awareness of it and seeing like a, you know, a loving relationship that does have its up and downs. Like every relationship has obstacles right to humans have to find a way to agree to TV, things the only relationships in movie and tv that really make sense to me are like teenagers because it's like yeah well teenagers are just like in the same class like of course they're just gonna like start making out like i get that like you don't really have to set that up for me in, in a real way like scream it's like yeah her boyfriend is a serial killer but it's like she went to high school with him so it made sense that they were dating scream how or, old are you when scream came out i was four years old i watched it in theaters i'm obsessed with scream wait you're who took you to go see my scream. father my Fantastic. father like well done mr so Cusandellas. i know it is i it was is. in high school when uh that movie like i was a freshman in high school i, I believe movie. when that movie came out 
and I think I was a freshman. Anyway, and I remember Speaking like of non rom com rom coms. This is a perfect. That's a great non rom com rom com. In general, I think um, I was about to say Monica Geller. Uh, Courtney Cox is the queen of non rom rom com rom com because not Ooh. only in Scream but even in Ace Ventura. Yes, she is the queen of non rom com rom com. Right, even Cougar Town is like that too, which I find strange. Is it non-rom? I've never watched it. Is it non-rom-com, rom-com? I mean, it's a show about friends that like, and that then introduces this like romantic storyline. So like kind of, yeah. I have to start watching it. Um, Well, it's funny because Courtney Cox met David Arquette on the set of Scream. And then by Scream 2, the characters are like on and off. And that's like when they're, that's when the actors in real life were dating. And then by the time they shot Scream 3, they were married. And then by that point in Scream 3, he proposes to her. And then in Scream 4, which is 15 years later or 11 years later, whatever it is, they were on the brink of a divorce. And like that was when they were going through their divorce. But in the movie, they're like kind of going through it too. But by the end, they work it out, which is like the one time it doesn't really follow their lives. I did not know this. How Isn't do you that know all this? I mean, I'm I remember when they got screen. together and I remember watching, you know, I, you know, I read Tiger Beat in high school or whatever. And I remember... Yeah. I remember seeing that relationship kind of flourish, but I didn't really, I've never watched Scream 4. So oh, Scream I guess 4 I need to great. get in on that. Yeah. Scream yeah. always I mean, had I'm... a way of, uh, of uh, attracting really good looking men too. Mm, yeah. Scott like Foley's age appropriate. Yeah. Scream 3, Scott God. Foley. I love Scott Foley. Scott, Scott Foley is like in all terrible. some of those random movies, by the way, I've noticed. Like sometimes I'll be watching movies and I go, where did he come from again? Right, and I think it's because Scott Foley's like not a good actor. I mean, I'm just not to be rude, but he's it's in like Scrubs. He's, just... he's in Scrubs. He's the main character's rival, and I'm like, here we go again, Scott Foley. Right. He also, I mean, he shows up on TV a lot. Like he's in Scandal for a long time. I know. A very, a I too know. long. Do you like Scandal? And I listen. It had two really good seasons, but it went on for seven. That's how I feel about. Scandal. And I think I think Scandal should have been one of those shows that just ends at three years. Like make it make it a presidential yeah. term. There you go. Right. They didn't. Need don't to don't go take that it to far. the election year. Just three years, and then you know, let them hire a campaign team. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there was a season of that show where, like, they uh, revealed that he rigged the election, that they were all in on it, and he got shot, and then, like, 17 other people died, and then also there was a bomb threat in the White House. It was, like, that was a one season of television. It's, like, where were they going to go season five? They had nowhere to go. They'd already done everything in, like, season two. Then she gets kidnapped in season three for like seven episodes. And it's like, I no stopped watching the day that she got kidnapped was the last episode I watched. I was like, you I made can't. a really good decision. I, I, I'm, I can't, I can't be emotionally attached to this anymore. You're like hurting yeah. me. Uh, but that's really good television for season one and two. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like it's really sexy. She drinks a lot of wine. She drinks so much wine. And she yells yeah. at him all the time. I don't understand their relationship either because all she does it's is yell at him. It's pure sex. It's clearly a sex. Pure sex. She's, dick- she's right. clearly digmatized. Like, yes. the end. By, but by like what? Because he's the president? Because he doesn't look like he, his shoulders are so small that I don't think he would be great in bed. I don't know why the um, shoulders are my criteria for people being good in bed or not, but this is what I'm sticking. In, he just doesn't in a look, straight I, I relationship, in, bed. in a straight relationship, you know, we don't really look at the shoulders. It it could it could be other body parts like the tongue. I'm telling you, <laughs> I was I was not I was not convinced of his sexual abilities. I'll tell you that. Um, much. 
I just one time was like, oh my God, I just love their chemistry. And then someone pointed out to me that they were like, it was, it's all editing, Gus. It's not chemistry. And then I watched an episode of it like two days later and was like, oh my God, they're right. They never are in the same shot together. It's always them. Like he's in one corner of the White House or whatever, not corner, because it's obviously not a room with corners. And then she's in the other side of the White House (laughs) Oval Office and they're yelling at each other and it's like only cuts between them two. So it makes it look like they have all this chemistry that isn't actually there. What is your favorite movie? Scream. (laughs) Are you serious? I'm obsessed with Scream. I think it's such a great movie. I think it's an interesting movie. I think it's like so smart. I also love slasher movies and horror movies in general. And like, if you love horror movies, like Scream is like one of the top. It's the OG. It's It's the epitome of like, brilliant like Teen it's not because it's not just a good horror movie it's also a good satire about horror movies right and so it like you know whereas the exorcist is just a good horror movie like the shining is just a good horror movie rosemary's baby is just like good horror whereas like scream takes it that level further where it's like everything you know is like now just like we're just gonna talk about it and scream has influenced so many things in the last 25 years that like you don't even know. Like it invented Well, I know because I remember, I remember, look, I was of age to watch right. Scream. I was allowed in this. I don't know how your father sneaked you in Brooklyn, I guess, but <laughs> I remember when Scream came out, how big of a deal it was. I remember that Halloween, everyone was wearing the stupid Scream outfit. Mm-hmm. And, to this day. No, no, no. But you don't understand. I, I mean, um, I, rem- I remember like it was a lot. Yeah. Right. See, you're really young. I, I hate to say that, but you're really young to like understand like the con. Like I remember watching in the movie theater. I remember going to school and everyone else having watched it. And then all of a sudden for the next 10 months, every movie that came out was compared to Scream. Every single one. And yeah. you saw bits of the Scream, like the teenage drama, you know, not just in like even the, the movie, The Faculty. I know what you yes. did last summer, which I think is like the worst yes. movie. It kind of is, yeah. You keep, you kind of keep seeing this like over and over again of, I can't hardly wait, which is not a horror movie, yes. but that teen element still exists. And they all came out within Urban the same legend. 12 month period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Texas, Texas and, Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Well, it also sparked like a re, it rejuvenation of the slasher genre because it was kind of dead by that point. So then, and then any slasher that came out after Scream for the next like 10 years was like always influenced by Scream and like the structure mm-hmm. of that movie. Anything that is meta, like even like um, there was that rom-com that was super meta with Ashton Kutcher or Justin Timberlake, um, No Strings Attached or the other one that was right. like the same title. Friends same with movie. Benefits. Friends with Benefits. That was, that was essentially Scream for rom-coms. Right. And so you see this archetype keep coming up in pop culture, which I think is interesting. Okay, so let's pretend that you are living in a slasher movie right now. Do you see yourself falling in love with someone or about to have sex with someone? Someone's about to murder you. Someone's about to like... Like me in the movie or like me just in general? In general. Oh, then no, I would never. I'm like, I'm going to get killed. I'm not going to go fall, like go suck someone's dick in like a slap. Like, I can't do this. Like there's a killer on the loose. Even during the pandemic, I was like two months in, I was like, I'm too stressed to have sex. I can't do this. I don't know how people find the energy during these movies to just go bang in a corner while there's like someone in a mask chasing people. He's like about to lose her virginity. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. There's that person out there who's going to kill you. What are you doing? Right. Even, yeah. But even like in Scream 2, 
like Gail and Dewey start getting it on in the movie theater and then the killer comes and they're like, oh, my bad. I'm like, yeah, well, that's what's going to happen. You can't be just... It's just it so, so places. many, like, it's so many things, like, would never happen. And I'll never forget, like, and, okay, now, like, to get away from the rom-com, rom-com, like, I love going to the movie theater with my mother. And I know mm. my mother's definitely listening to this because you're her favorite comedian on the planet. Shout out to your comedy special, Pepper. I made her watch it. And for me, like, I had already seen it, but I had my mom watch your special. If you're listening, go on, um, go on Gus's IGTV. You know what? I'll put a link in the episode details so you could just go straight to his special and for me having already seen it i knew what was in your special and my comedy was just watching my mother's face the entire time (laughs) and just like listening to her scream holler or laugh because you know you're basically kind of making fun of your mother and my mom's a great mom so there's like this kind of relatability here and then you start talking about you know being gay and uh that you know it was just kind of shocking to watch my mom not shocking it was funny to watch my mom's face trying to understand all the words coming out of your mouth <laughs> like funny. when you talk about the the, uh, the threesome yes yes we love that threesome oh my god it was like it was just amazing watching my mom like, i know and it's because that. i was not gonna do that joke until the day of and because my boyfriend was like my boyfriend's family was gonna come to that show <gasps> and see it and so he was like can you just just he just stick to the script, just do the family stuff. And I was like, last minute, I was like, I really just want to do this joke. I love this joke. And I think it's a good joke to put near the end because I'm an, I just felt like it fit in the moment. And I was like, I'm going to do it, whatever. And I could tell he was like pissed. <laughs> yeah. I could tell he was like, why'd you do the joke? I told you not to. My it's, brother it's was there. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I don't want to give it away. So it's so good. Anyway, so I love going to the movie theaters with my mom because- my mom is a really good critic, but she's also like the worst critic. Mm. So I'll give you an example. We went to go see Independence Day 2, like when it had come out a few years ago for like the 20 year uh, anniversary to Independence Day, yeah. the first one, right? And while they're like shooting aliens outside of planet Earth or whatever, my mom goes, this would never happen. Well, yeah, I mean. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know. This would never happen. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. My she always does thing. this. She always does this. Every time we go to a movie, this, oh, she always, she always goes, oh, come on. Oh, come on. Like in our her thick Greek accent. Oh, come on. I love that. This would never happen. And, I'm, and I just looked at her like, yeah, they're shooting aliens outside of the orbit. You're right. I don't think it would happen. I love that. Well, my dad watches movies and is similar. Like he'll be like, he, my dad literally watched 20 minutes of Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, and said, are they going to be singing the whole time? And I was like, yes, that's have, you saw the first one. You knew. He saw Mamma Mia on Broadway. I just need to preface this. He saw Mamma Mia on Broadway. He saw the Mamma Mia movie. But for some reason, he thought that Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again, was going to be like a drama or like just like a movie about how Meryl Streep's dead like what did you think it was gonna Wait, be she, I have never watched the movie so oh I mean the, the premise of the movie is that like Meryl Streep's character dies and she has to rebuild the hotel for her mom like as a homage oh. to her mom it's a very sweet thing uh-huh. they do it very nicely it's very cute they just couldn't get Meryl Streep on set for more, more than a day so they were like we have to kill her off but there was no choice in the matter so it was like whatever they ha- the production how had do to do know for all it. this because I read interviews and I get too involved and then 
and then I don't do any of my work and then I feel like oh here yeah (laughs) and then I'm behind on my own things so I love action movies one of my mentors has said that there are a few things you can do to strengthen your relationship so I'm gonna tell you what these steps are so the first tip is you need if you're not especially if like sexes aren't a lull you need to add adrenaline into your relationship and one of those things that you should be doing is going to a comedy club or going mm-hmm. to go see an action film or going to ride a roller coaster uh so these three things can really pump up like adrenaline and actually further your romance with a person that you've been you know married to for 20 years five years you know you're together and there's always going to be a lull a plateau so this really helps so my husband and i we love to go see you know comedy specials at you know, the Beacon Theater or at Radio City or, you know, at Stand Up New York. And of course, we like to go see action films. And so that's one of the things. So the other, I want to say, I want to mention this because, you know, this is a dating and relationship podcast. So for anyone still looking for advice, let me just add a few more things. The other things that you should be doing uh, every single day is of doing actions of service. So even something small as pouring your significant other a cup of coffee, giving them their keys, telling them that they look nice today, buttoning their shirt for them, something so small that just shows that you care about them. So doing a one service oriented task every single day for your partner. And the third thing you can do to help your relationship, just you know, go the distance and just be successful and happy is to learn how to have non-maintenance talk every day. So you should be having at least 15 minutes a day of conversation that's not maintenance related. What does maintenance mean? You don't talk about bills. You don't talk about the kids. You don't talk about your relationship. You don't talk about the house or you know things you have to do around the house. You have to talk about things that, hey, I've recently read this article or, hey, I just watched Gus Cosandelli's special. Here's what I liked about it. Like, you know, you, <laughs> you got to find different things to like talk about, be likable so that you're really shooting the distance. Now to go back to the first thing, my husband and I, pre-COVID, we go to action movies a lot together for, I mean, I think it's just a great way to keep our relationship alive. Not that it needs any resuscitation, but you know, you got to just you got to date your partner, even if you're married. Mm. And that's just one of our, it's like an easy date idea. Like, let's go see the new, what's going on now? Like, I don't know, like a new action movie. There um, are no new action movies out right now, Maria. Okay. There is nothing. I know. Happen- you could still do this during COVID. I have a three month old and almost three year old and I can still do it. So that means you can still do it. And this is what we do. We decide to put on Narcos or okay. some other action oriented movie with a good plot. Uh, there's plenty of you know things you can look on amazon apple and netflix and hulu and we close turn off our phones and put them in another room and maybe make some popcorn and we create you know a nice experience where we're not distracted by our phones we're actually watching the tv in a dark room so you're mm. still ways to like mimic the movie experience without you know you know, during a pandemic. Okay. Let me go back to why I'm mentioning this. So I decided to take my mom to go see, I will watch anything with Dwayne Johnson. I love him. I can't wait till he runs for president. Have you watched you know, Jumanji? It'll, it'll happen. Have you watched any I love, of the we, Jumanji? We watched both of them during the quarantine and it was oh my so God. nice. They, they are great. so good. I love yeah. them. So of course, you know, San Andreas comes out the movie and I was like, oh, we are definitely seeing this in the movie theaters. Like, did you watch the one with Nev Campbell with the tower, with the building? It was called like condo or something or like high rise. It was Dwayne the Rock Johnson married to Nev Campbell and he lives in this like, you know, high end. Oh, skyscraper. 
Maybe it was it was Skyscraper. Yeah. Did you watch that? That's the only one I haven't seen yet. It's on my list. Oh Wait, my, Nev Campbell is in this movie? Nev. That's the, I literally was watching the trailer. We were watching some movie and the trailer came on and I was like, oh. That should have like, just oh, been the, the trailer. Rock? It should have just right. said in letters, Nev Campbell is in this movie. I would have totally watched it by now. Like, what the hell? Right. All right. And it is That's going to be the next movie So I was like, night. oh, The Rock? I love this movie. And then I saw this building and then all of a sudden Nev Campbell showed up and I was like, is that Nev? <laughs> Okay. okay, I'm going to watch that this week. All right, so I take my mom to go see San Andreas. And while this movie is happening, which by the way, this movie is like insane when it comes to earthquakes. Like we're talking about like, I don't know, worse than the pandemic situation happening. Right. And like the earth no longer exists. <laughs> the ground you right. are on is just in shambles and everyone around you is just dying. Millions and millions of people are dying. And my mom in all seriousness just turns her head and she looks at me and she goes, this would never happen. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, like, just watch the movie. Cut to now where all these people are dead and your mom's like, you know what? This could happen. This really could happen. I can't wait till your mom watches a movie and is like, this is so realistic. I cannot stand this. You know, the only time she's ever like that is like when it's like historical drama. So we went to go see the King's Speech and she's like, that was well done. See, this could happen. I go, it did happen. I love that. Like- <laughs> oh my God, I love that so much. I love that so much. My dad That's watched how, The Revenant like mom- with Leonardo DiCaprio and he was like, I, he called me and was like, I could not watch this. It was two hours of Leonardo DiCaprio. This is what he called, DiCaprio, crawling us. He's crawling the whole time. All he does in this movie is crawl. And he won an Oscar for this? Give me an Oscar. I walked to work the other day. Like, he did not love it. It was hilarious. Um, I love that. So it's really hard to watch movies with my mom now because my mom wants like Hallmark movies. She wants happy movies because of her health. Like she just needs to be in a good place, not in a dramatic place. Oh my God, I get that. That's that's my vibe too. I can't watch anything. I've been watching a lot of Pixar movies in the last three weeks because like my mental health has been so bad that I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I just need something that I know will have a good ending. I just need them to find Dory. Okay. I just need them to find her. (laughs) That's where I'm currently at. So it's, it's just been interesting because I have to like pick things that are going to be happy. And I happened to tell her about this show called Little America. Have oh my you God, I loved watched it. this? Yes. Okay. So Little America, it's by, um, I don't want to- Kumail, uh, Kumail uh, non- Nanjiani. Nanjiani. Right. Yeah, who did the and his wife, sit. Emily. Yes. Yeah. They produced this amazing show. It's on, it's on Apple, right? Yeah, it's on Apple. Yeah. And- um, it's eight episodes, eight different stories. It's a must watch. And it's real stories. This could happen. Um, this could happen. <laughs> it's interesting to like watch it with my mom because it reminded me this week of watching it with her because, you know, throughout the entire time of watching Little America, I'm bawling my, cro- my eyes out because yes, these are happy stories. But as an immigrant, you can't help but relate to the sacrifice that you experience to come here uh, in this country. And then also as children, trying to manage, you know, your parents and being in that experience as an immigrant child. So, you know, something I love watching my mom. And so the la- the next time we bawled our eyes out this much was this past week with the DNC. I know people listening to this are like two, been two weeks and, but uh, it's, it's just interesting right. to watch certain things with my mom uh, and just having her 
just be like, this could happen. This could not this, happen. If this is real, yeah. My big fat Greek wedding. See, that's a perfect example of a movie where I'm like, would they actually ever be together? Like, I don't really think that those two people would be in love. I Why truly, not? I really don't. And that's something I think I thought the first time I watched that movie when I was like a kid. I was like, because it just felt like she was, she loved him because she wanted something different than what her family offered her and what her history allowed her to have. As opposed to, I really like this guy and he just happens not to be Greek. I think what she was going for was, I really like this guy and and he happens not to be Greek. But there's like one scene where they meet and then there's like one dinner scene where all she does the whole time is just complain about her family. And then it ends with her him being like, well, I don't care. I want to get to know you. And then like, you think the rest of the movie is going to be him getting to know her and the rest of the movie is just her being like, my crazy Greek family. And then they like fall in love and then they get married. And like, that's the movie. I think it's a great movie. I love it the most. I think it's one of my top five favorite movies of all time. But I definitely do not see how they would end up together. Besides the fact that he's just not Greek and that's what she wanted. I hate I hope that. no one. I hope no one cancels me for this. I hope no one comes for me. No, I, People are going to start me sending me hate time. mail. I get hate mail all the time because I wrote this one article. It's on the Pappas Post, which is this like Greek American publisher. And um, I wrote this article uh, titled, I think it's called Three Reasons Why Greek Sperm is Not Magical. The Three Misconceptions About Greek Sperm. That's what it's called. Got it. I think that's what it's called. And one of them is, is not magical. <laughs> Just because he's Greek does not mean he's going to be a good boyfriend, a good father, a good partner. Like there's no, you know, and some people like in this movie it's like oh he has to be greek and of course you know swap out greek and put indian or put jewish or put lebanese or you know whatever subculture has like this extra pressure to marry within the subculture to me it's like okay so what if they are greek like my husband is greek and right well that's true and i think that like the movie doesn't really make the argument about because there are other people in the movie that are married to greeks and they're totally happy and they're totally fine and that's exactly fine but it makes the argument that like those people are somehow not as fulfilled as they could be because they don't have the other experience. Right. Which I think is fair and also unfair. Like I think what the movie does really well is it has this like um, like umbrella immigrant kind of thing of like every family has the parents that want you to marry a Greek or an Indian or whatever, whatever you are, like what is what your family wants you to end up marrying. And it shows this like very specific type of like, okay, well, I'm not doing that. And I'm going to, that's my way of rebellion, rebellion. And I think a lot of rom-coms are rooted in like that sense of rebellion. Um, especially when- See, I find a different reason why that wouldn't work out, that relationship. Okay. Well, I'm just saying like, that's where the movie works. It works as like this umbrella immigrant immigrant umbrella, of course. Brilliant. Right. And of course, it's, it's why it's so everybody. popular among, right. like, I mean, I've met, you know, Nigerian women who are like, I love my big fat Greek wedding. And I'm like, okay, I'm not right. the ambassador. I've to met it, but. people like from like South Korea that are like, oh my God, my family is just like that. And it's right. like, yeah, that's what the movie does great. And that's what's so great. So let me it. tell you where their relationship, I get that the movie is based off a true story, but obviously things are dramatized for a big screen. Right. So whatever. Ian Gomez looks nothing like John Corbett. <laughs> like her real right. husband is not so now, Okay. Look at John Corbett. <laughs> Okay. He's a teacher. He looks like that. And Nia Vardalos, who is beautiful, by the way, she looks like her character in the beginning. She gets a makeover. 
but she's still a sheltered woman who lives with her parents in her 30s who has probably not had any relationships so this i'm now meant to believe that this woman this character is falling in love with this character over two conversations there's like so many conversations that have to happen like hey uh i'm a virgin (laughs) right oh hey i this you're the first non-greek i've ever spoken to in my life you know what i mean like (laughs) things like that that i think weren't addressed hey uh tip is not included in the diner bill (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) right i I love the movie i think it's just brilliant and i think it's so good but i do think that there are things that are like oh okay i mean it's again i mean also it's like it's very mid 2000s or early 2000s in terms of like oh, if you're a woman, the only way you can get a man is to have a makeover, which is like a lot of movies during that time period have that Mm -hmm. same kind of montage scene, like Princess Diaries had it. Um, She's all that. She's all that. It's like, it's like such a, it was such an early 2000s trope of like, now the woman needs to, Miss Congeniality had it. It's like the only way you can possibly be lovable is if you're also hot and this is how you become hot. And so it's like, okay, well, whatever. I mean, that's yeah. what, I mean, whatever. No, no, that's no, like it's all whatever. It's, I think it's that's like a whole nother true. podcast. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a whole nother episode of like feminism within like pop culture and like how it, I mean, it's, it's toxic. It's, it's toxic really. It's to kind of it, watch yeah. this play out. I will say something unrelated to this as a married person, the most now completely shifting from what we just talked about. Have you ever seen the movie? He's just not that into you. Uh, I've seen parts of it, but not all of it. Okay. I've heard it's terrible. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. However, there is one accurate scene in that entire movie. And that is when Bradley Cooper's character with Jennifer Connelly is at like a Home Depot. And he admits to her, like, I'm cheating on you. And she just looks at him and she's like, okay. And then she just like moves on. And the reason why that's accurate is it's not, I'm not saying that like, you know, all these couples are cheating and doing this at Home Depot. That's not what I mean by that. But I got a lot of hate once because someone said to me, I'm the other woman, you know, they're married. I'm the other woman. Should, should I tell her? And I was like, well, are they married? Yeah. Do they have kids? Yeah. No, you should not. She'll find out on her own. You you do not tell her and let him say, so she could have that Home Depot moment. Like, Okay, we're going to go to a couple of therapy. Like, do you know how expensive it is to get divorced, especially with kids? Like, some people don't want to open up that door. And that's what I think Jennifer Connelly's character is going through in that movie. She's just like, okay, got it. Like, let's move on. Right. Right. I mean, I am not a woman. And so I, and I've never been the other woman and I've never been the other man. So I, I really could not speak to that experience right. from my own perspective and what I would do. But like, I've never been in that situation either. And I remember watching this thinking like, this seems accurate. Another accurate couple that I've noticed, by the way, is in, since I just watched Narco season three, with the, the end of the Cali cartel, the security guy and his wife, that relationship, my husband turned to me and he's like, the way they fight is the way you and I fight. <laughs> Which is, my husband's, my, let's say my husband is wrong. He makes his point, And then I just look at him and I go, okay, fine. And then I just get yeah. up and leave the room. <laughs> like, Oh my God. I have this thing. I mean, I do this. Literally that's my whole relationship with my boyfriend is like, he tells me not to do things and I'm like, no, I'm going to do them anyway. And then it's like, he turns out he's right. And then he just like, is like, weren't I right? And I'm like, yeah, you were right. Like the other day I like, he hates that. I have like these flip flops that I wear in the apartment, but I go outside in the balcony and I, I come back in and he's like, 
well, the apartment's going to get dirty because you might be stepping on things outside of the balcony. Right. And I'm like, it's fine. It doesn't matter. The balcony is pretty clean. And now and what are you day, suffering from like a sty infection? No, we had a bunch of, we have plants out there. And so I stepped on some dirt accidentally and it got on the carpet. And he's like, I told you not to wear these flip-flops in the house. And I was like, well, you have a point, you know? <laughs> well, you were right. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Well, you are 100% right. And I can't argue with you. So I'm, uh, I'm your husband in this situation and you are my, and you are my husband in this scenario. Yeah. I, it's just like, yeah, right. I, I'm like, you're right. I can't argue with that. I mean, people also think like, like relationships are like, I think like falling in love is falling in love is like from the heart, but like relationships are like an act of work and compromise. And like, I think a lot of people do not realize that ever. Like a lot of people romanticize relationships and are like, I need to have a boyfriend. I need to have a a significant other. I need to be in love. And it's like, as soon as they get in love or find someone, then they have all this other stuff that they haven't dealt with. They're like, Oh, Oh, I still think I'm fat. I still think my body's horrible. I still have this negative self-perception of my myself. mental health is still is still suffering you right. know um someone recently like she was texting me and she was showing me like oh do you think i should give him another chance and i'm like but why like you've already you guys already broke up 10 yeah. years ago you don't need to nothing right. has changed <laughs> and this is where i think movies and tv shows come into play because right. if, if i wasn't taught through a television show that I need to get back together with this person or that this is the way life is and it's going to work out and there's going to be a montage and I'll cry or whatever and then it'll be over, then I wouldn't have these these ideas in my head. And a lot of people wouldn't have these ideas. People, people get that, very like, frustrated with me when I tell them, like, um, I constantly tell women every single week, like, do not get back with your ex. No, yes. he just wants to sleep with you. He does not want to date you. All the same, the same problems are still going to exist. Nothing. Right. Nothing is going to change, right. I promise you. Because in movies and television shows, as Sh- Shonda Rhimes said this about Grey's Anatomy, she's like, you don't never see the happy ending. Like, you see that they get a happy ending, but you never see what happens after they walk off into the sunset. Right. And, like, that is the relationship. And that's when people, like, you know, when people cheat on them and they break up or, or they fight and they break up, they think, oh, if I get back on the horse and we ride off into the sunset, everything's going to be fine again. And it's like, no, you have no idea because that's not how life is. I mean, there's also a big range of relationships here that I don't think people realize. By the way, it's not just movie and TV. Even songs have this issue. Like the way Ariana Grande talks about her exes. (laughs) I'm like, "Uh, okay, you know, there's two ranges when I see like relationships uh, in general, right? There's going to be people who say, um, oh, we never fight. And you see this on TV a lot too. Like, oh, we never fight. Like the couple that doesn't fight. And then you're going to see a couple that constantly fights. And then they'll say stuff, especially, you know, if you have friends on Facebook where they're like, all relationships take work and we're no exception. And I'm like, yeah, it's not supposed to be that kind of work though. Like a solid relationship has its disagreements. You find compromise. If you're not fighting at all, that means you both probably suffer from like anxious avoidant (laughs) attachment style Mm -hmm. where you're just walking on eggshells and just not dealing with the problem. Because anytime you put two people in a room, you're going to have to compromise because you're both coming in with your own agency, with your own thoughts and ideas of how to solve problems. An adult relationship requires conversation. And I feel like you don't see that on TV and- I think that also a lot of television shows and sometimes movies, but mostly television shows only like if they're in a relationship, there's always like, this is the, usually what the storyline looks like is they have a bunch of problems and then they fall in love and then they're in love for like two episodes. And then there's like a little disagreement and then, or like something, or they're so happy 
that it's like, oh, they have these beautiful, like happy, happy, happy moments. And then in two episodes, they're like, something happens and something goes wrong. Someone gets cancer. Someone cheats on someone. Someone's ex comes back. So it's like, I think that TV shows always have that arc of like, oh, they're happy. So now something must go wrong. They're happy. So some, someone is cheating or they're so happy that like, oh, in two episodes, they're going to be dead. And like, again, that's not how life works. Like you don't no. have to view happy moments with your partner as like, uh, oh no, is, is there something I'm missing? Is there something coming in a week? Like that's so unrealistic. No, it does make sense. There's just some people that are really addicted to the drama. And I feel like yeah. seeing yourself, you know, one of the things I really liked about your comedy special pepper is you talked about towards the end about how important it is to see yourself and mm. you know you as a gay comedian how you don't have a lot of i don't i don't know what the right noun is here um i think it's role models role also, models yeah it's, yeah I, and I it's the same thing here <laughs> like when you look at relationships most people's prototype is their parents whatever relationship mm. that is and you mimic that and um, you know until something changes maybe you know if it was if you come from a toxic family um, hopefully you can deal with that and not replicate the same mistakes. But for the most people, for the most part, most people tend to replicate what they see. And then mm -hmm. if you see that as well on TV, where they're like fighting, 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 and now he just goes in for the kiss. And I'm just like, whoa, like, wait a second. That's not how this works. I feel like there's just no room for, sometimes people find drama as a way of thinking like, oh, he really wants me because look at what, look at, look at this excitement he's bringing into our relationship right. subconsciously. Right. I totally yeah. agree with that. And I think that the, the way I look at relationships is like, I am in a relationship with another person and therefore I wake up every morning and I make a choice whether or not I'm going to love this person or not. And so like that is, so I don't, I don't know if you that's... to do that. I want you to do something else, Gus. I'm going to give you some advice. Okay. Yes. What is this? Oh, I love this. See, it is, okay. it is happening. I me. love it. <laughs> so my favorite couple on TV ever is Leslie Nope and Ben Wyatt from Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. I have a love philosophy and I feel like they illustrate it. So I say, I believe that you have to love someone and you have to like someone. It's very easy for you to fall in love with someone. I can count many times where I've fallen in lust and in love. I know in, in English, it's, we're really limited by the language to describe what I'm saying, but you know, I fall in love several times and that comes easy to me. The yeah. lust part, not, not talking about agape love intimacy at the, you know, I'm talking about like the beginning. Mm -hmm. However, it is extremely hard to like someone for the next, to choose to like them for the next 10 years, 15 years, 40 years of your life. There are going to be moments in any relationship and of course, any marriage where you just don't like the person. You don't like something that they're doing. And either you can deal with that with them, but specifically not like avoid it, or you don't deal with it. And then that can start to hurt other parts of their likability toward with you, right? Your emotional, intellectual, financial, whatever. So when people say like, you know, when you just said like, I have to choose to love this person, I, I think you do love your boyfriend, <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, but I want you to instead choose that you're going to like them today. That makes it so much That's easier smart. because not only do yeah. you have to like them, but you also have to be likable. So you have to do likable things as well. Right. No right. one has ever that... broken up for lack of love. It's always for lack of like. Right. It's so true. And it's right. And I find that like, whenever I am, whenever I'm annoyed about whatever it is, I'm less likable to him. Cause I'm like, I'm pissed. Like I'm so, I don't, 
you used my towel or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, is that, you, what well, do you guys fight about? Now you got my curiosity. What do you and your boyfriend we, fight about? Oh my God. Like the minutia of our lives. I mean, especially during the pandemic, it's like, we've gotten to three different arguments about Taylor Swift. It's that's it. It's ridiculous. Um, it's <laughs> what like, I was just like, one day we were talking about Taylor Swift and I was like, I really like her new album. I don't know why people hate her. And he was like, she's a minute. She's manipulative. I completely understand why people hate her. And then we got into this huge fight and I was like, she's not manipulative. What she is. is I mean, she isn't. She, I can totally get, no, into I it. love like, her. I uh, love the documentary love on Netflix. So yeah. I love her so much, but she's calculated and she's manipulative because she's a pop star and all pop stars are calculated and manipulative. If you're a pop star that is like of her caliber, you can't do it without being calculated. Why and is that? First of all, I feel like that's such a word that you only put to a female. I have never heard anyone say so Michael true. Buble that, is manipulative and calculating. That is 100 And you know Michael is Buble is. True. <laughs> and that's because of the double standard that exists. Like, I feel like that is where like, you know- like Beyonce, for example, like, you know, she had that whole narrative with Jay-Z and Solange and he cheated on her and she took him back and there's an album and it, it's a promotional thing. Like as much as I want to be like, oh, Beyonce was, you know, writing from the heart. No, that was a calculated and manipulative album because it, because it used her story to tell the music and that's fine. And that's just what pop culture is sometimes, especially when it comes to women, like men don't need to do that. Drake can just release music. Drake can just be like, here's a song called Grease. It's terrible. You know what I mean? Brooks. Like Ariana Grande is a, a female pop star and therefore sometimes needs like, I got engaged and now the engagement got broken off. It's like that all kind of is included in the You don't in think inspiration, you don't think men are just as inspired or are men more manufactured? I, I think that like men, like, I mean, Sean Mendez doesn't really have like a narrative. Like I couldn't like, other than what Camila, dating Camila Cabello, like that's like the thing is like men don't need to do that because of the sexism that exists in the music industry and like obviously pop culture in general. And it sucks because like women always are now have to be put into this box of like, I'm the person that dated this or I'm the person that's, See, I you think know, that whatever. is the brilliance behind Billie Eilish. I think that is why... You know, she does not participate in uh, the fashion. Right. Like she's made her own, like, this is what I'm going to wear because I don't want you to talk about my body. And I feel like that, not only is she obviously a really talented singer and songwriter, but um, she's also very good at, you know what, this new generation in general, like even, even in politics. They're not going to fall into the same traps. No. They're not going to fall into the same, which I think is great because I think maybe that, that, that double standard within women in the music industry can go away finally. As much as I want to be like, oh my God, whatever. Like Taylor Swift's feud with Katy Perry that lasted for like five years helped their music careers at the end of the day. Right. And it helped them sell stadiums. So it's like, I can't knock on the nar- the pop the pop culture narrative. You don't see Michael like, Buble and Justin no, Timberlake Bu- participating in, you know, their holiday right. special feud. But I also think like when I say like, when I said that like earlier that like Taylor Swift is manipulative and calculated, I meant that it's be- it's not her fault. It's because of the way the music industry is terrible to women. But and do you she think uses like- it in a way that helps her career essentially. Do you think Michael Jackson or Prince, rest in peace to both of them, especially Prince, had this? No, I don't think it really existed in the same capacity that it does now mm. in the 80s. Like Madonna kind of had it. You know, Madonna was doing something splashy every time she had an album release. Okay, let's do one last 
non-rom-com rom-com and wrap this up i feel like we've we've got we've like blown through a lot of topics i could clearly talk to you forever um any other favorite non-rom-com rom-coms and why oh my god i don't know if i have another one philadelphia no i'm kidding i'm kidding (laughs) oh my god i'm so kidding i'm so kidding um i can make that joke because i live near philadelphia no i'm kidding (laughs) oh you know what uh captain america movies are good because they're about his relationship with peggy ultimately i recently watched this trilogy and i was like these movies are great i love captain america i was like am i patriotic what happened i love captain america but uh, the real love story in those movies is the relationship with him and his best friend and the relationship he has with Peggy, which I think is really beautiful. And it like acts as like a character motivator for him. And so it's like really nice. So my, another not favorite non-rom-com rom-com for me is, um, it's look, it's not a romance. So it fits into this criteria. So don't shit on me. It's a non-rom-com. Life is beautiful. It's a non-rom-com. Oh, wait, which movie is that? Um, is that the one with the dad and the son in the yes it's a it's italian film so non-rom-com rom-com i mean i basically this whole story is like keeping his son alive and not letting like the son know that they're about to uh get murdered by the nazis but at the same time like a yeah they're in like nazi regime camps right and then at the same time you know giving hope to his wife out there um you know ultimately he dies but you know she knew that she was loved I mean, God, just even saying this out loud right now is like making me like. It's a good cry. movie. No, that, that's like a that's really a good, good movie. That's like a. That's like I think that's the the gold star of non rom com rom com. Mm. I don't know. I could be wrong. Oh, I think you know Twister what? might be number I have one. Another one. I don't know. Okay, no, the Karate me. Kid is also a really good one. <laughs> the Karate Kid, because Elizabeth, Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth, I love Elizabeth Shue in that movie. She's terrible, but I love her. Like she's just so classic 80s beauty like i love were there any like movies or um tv shows growing up where you're like like as a gay man you know a lot of the movies and tvs are obviously heterosexual how rarely do you see like a gay love story play out as the main i think that's why schitt's creek is such so successful because a main character is playing out an entire gay relationship right so as a kid first of all when were you able to articulate that you're gay well, I mean, like around when I was going through puberty, so like 11, 12, uh-huh. was when I was figuring that out. Because like, again, as a gay person, you know, you're taught essentially to believe that you're straight until you hit puberty. And then as soon as your brain starts realizing sexually that you're not interested in the opposite sex, you kind of go through this own personal, like, what am I? What is this? What is going on? Am I gay? Am I just going through puberty? Am I straight? And I just have gay thoughts and my bisexual, it's a whole process because mm-hmm. of the way that you're taught to believe from a very, very young age. Like if you didn't have And is men, that being taught by like life, pop culture? Well, I think it's taught through pop culture. It's taught through, it's taught mainly through people in your life. So like your parents, right. your family unit. And so like if you're everybody, all your uncles, all your whatever is telling you, oh, you know, what, what girls do you like when you're eight years old? Then eventually when things kind of, aren't the same in your head you're kind of like wait am i different what is this so it's very strange Mm -hmm. so i remember watching this is so dumb because i've never actually like seen this movie since but i remember watching sweet home alabama with reese witherspoon when i was like 10 and it was on like tnt do you know what i mean like it was like a rerun Mm -hmm. and i was watching it had commercials and i was like oh my god and there's like one sentence of a gay character in that movie like one of the best friends or like one of the people she dates or whatever. I don't really remember. 
is like gay and they like say oh he's gay so whatever and he just like smiles and it's just like sweet home Alabama it's like the very end of the movie okay I remember thinking like oh wait that oh what and I was very curious about that and so like that is it though like I had two older brothers so like growing up all we watched was like Karate Kid the Rocky movies Dazed and Confused a lot of action movies and like predominantly those movies never featured a gay character and so like Buffy the Vampire Slayer was one of the first experiences of like a gay character and it was a woman so I was like oh I'm am I like Tara am I like Willow what is this am I gonna figure it out in college like it was very confusing wow there weren't really that many it's especially my age like I have to put in a, a couple of like fa- like a, environmental factors for me it was like I'm the youngest my older brother's 10 my other brother's five years older than me or 10 years older than me so it's like that age difference and they're both men and then my parents being immigrants my mom not speaking English like you it just gets narrow you get narrower and narrower in terms of like what was what exposure what, you have what exposure I had to the type of pop culture. I mean, I remember going to the movie theater to see 21 Jump Street with my mom and um, who loved that movie, by the way. And it's so good. Yeah, I, I feel like my mom should have just her own movie column. You know, this could happen. <laughs> I, this, it could be called, right, it would be called This Could Never Happen. And that's what that, right, it'd be like Rotten Tomatoes or whatever out of like, you know, three out of five pumpkin pies. It's just like, this couldn't happen. This could it would be happen. my mom's like two hands, like with her, you know, like, yes. how do you describe this to people listening uh, with your fingers together? Like how Italians go right. chef's kiss, but like yes. two hands and you're like, this could right. happen. So it's like, you know, two hands, one hand, no hands, you know, anyway. Right. So we went to go see 21 Jump Street. And I remember thinking like, wow, the new generation is so lucky to see like this kind of fluidity that exists mm. within the characters, not necessarily the main character. Well, some of the, the characters in the high school, because I didn't grow yes. up. Every high school movie I saw, Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Can't Hardly Wait. And I wasn't, I was a, I was in eighth grade and freshman when all these movies came out. There was never once a gay character, right? right. Faculty, it, not one it, gay character. And then and 21 Jump Street comes it out was, and it's like, oh, like not only is he gay, but they're even schooling the main characters. Like, did you just say the F word or, you know, whatever, like- Right. And it was always like either the gay character was the joke or the gay character was right. had like one line. Like that was it. And then Will and Grace came out and I remember like my dad watching it and explaining to me like, oh yeah, they're supposed to be gay. And me being like kind of curious about that and being like, oh, but then, but then thinking, well, I don't want to watch it because then I don't want anyone thinking that I'm gay. So there's like that weird thing that goes on in your head when you're a But kid. you've told me that your dad, your dad knew you were gay before you came out. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he took knew, you to right. like, tell me, wait, tell, like he took you to like Barbados to or Bahamas. something? To the, no, Bahamas. He took me to the Bahamas. When I was 16 and he kept like really trying to get me to come out of the closet and I like did not, I was like, oh what? I, I could not tell. He like played Golden Girls on TV. He was like, took me to a gay bar and he was like, what's hap? What are you going to tell me? And then I never did. And then four years later, I finally came out to him. Uh, did you think your dad was gay when he was taking you to all these places? I did. Places? I was like, is my dad gay? Why are you doing the Vogue <laughs> choreography? It was very strange. But yeah, I mean, Will and Grace was one of the real first, like, I mean, it was like the first, you know, gay leads, whatever. But at, I like remember, a, um, as a 10 year old, I'm not going to watch like, you know, I wasn't watching like NBC late night at, at that point. Or my TV. We obviously like at my, my house, we're not talking about like gay people because, you know, that's not just the conversation that's happening in my house when I was a kid. Because like, again, there was like, no, you know, this is before Will and Grace had come out. Like there was no exposure to when I was a child. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I remember my mom was working somewhere and the person working with her opposite her was a gay man. I was in high school. She comes home and she goes, one of my coworkers is gay. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like I didn't, goes, I didn't think of it. Could- Gay people, no, 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 that could no. Never happen. No, I'm no. Kidding. But like, you know what? Though close, though. So she was like, you know, one of my coworkers, he's gay, and today he was telling him about how all the problems he's having with his boyfriend. And Maria, his problems are the same problems I have. And I'm like, yeah. Like I'm like kind of waiting. That's she goes, so funny. And she's like, they're just like us, so we have to support them. And like this was oh my her God. revelation at the age of you know I don't know 45. And I was like thinking to myself at the time, I was like 16. I was like thinking like the more exposure people have to just different people, there's just more Mm -hmm. tolerance. Like I'm so lucky to have grown up in New York where like I wasn't the only gay person and I wasn't the only Greek person and I wasn't the only, like there wasn't, I wasn't exposed to one black person my whole life or one Jewish person. It was like, I didn't have like a token ever of a person that I could look at. And be like, this is the one Jewish person I know, or the Chinese right. person I know. It was like I had enough in my in my like in surroundings to be like, mm-hmm. oh, everyone is just the same, so we should just treat each other equally. This is not hard. And then I went right. to college, and I was like, oh, it. I guess everyone didn't grow up the same way I did. Right. <laughs> I guess. Where did people, you go to college? I went to NYU. Which you think? Oh, I went to grad school for NYU. Yeah. Oh, and oh, nice. oh and. And so at NYU, you know what? Yeah, you're right. NYU is as diverse as it is. It's not that diverse in backgrounds. There's a lot of people no, who just went to like all, white only schools. <laughs> right. And it's rich people because it's, right. those are the people that can afford to go to NYU, which is right. fine. I mean, I was there on a scholarship. So I was like, whatever. Growing up in Brooklyn to going to NYU is like, you think, oh, right. It's just the same amount of diversity. No, it's not. I went fully backwards in terms of the diversity that I was but I, for but me, everyone I, I spoke like, to that was a freshman yeah. was like, this is the most diversity I've ever seen in my whole life ever. And right. I was like, well, where'd you grow up? And they'd be like, oh, the small town in Ohio. And I'd be like, oh yeah. And they're like, oh, we had one Jewish person in our class. And I'd be like, that's insane to me. Like right. what? And being so confused by that. But like, that's right. a normal thing that most people experience. I, I grew up in a really diverse town. It's like 34% white, 34% black. And yeah. the rest is like a mix of, you know, Asian and Hispanic. From there, I went to an undergrad in Greece. I went, there's an American school, there's an American university in Greece. It was interesting, like tr- going to basically a homogeneous society yeah. where everyone's like the same religion. But you know what though? Greeks in Greece, they're like way more open-minded than Greek Americans here. Well, that's, yeah. Well, that's also a product of immigration. You know, when, immigration and the types of people that were immigrating, like you know, yeah. I mean, you know, rich, privileged, educated Greek people weren't moving to America just to find. I just remember this one whatever. instance when I was a freshman. For the most um, part is what I mean. This, this girl had a tattoo on her arm when I was in Greece. This is before tattoos were as popular as they are now in Greece. Like everyone's tattoo, but at the time, like she had a tattoo and I'm thinking like, oh my God, what did your parents say when you got a tattoo? And she's like, my mom came with me. And I'm like, what? Because I didn't know Greek people what? could get tattoos. Like, I was like, that's allowed? You know, like, I was just very confused, 18-year-old. Uh, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Well, listen, this was great. How can people find you? You can find me at Constantly Gus on Instagram or on any other social media. It's the same handle, at Constantly Gus, but Instagram is what I use the most. I'm also going to include a link to your Pepper um, comedy special. I absolutely love it. 
And um, I know if you are, if you do follow Gus on IG or Facebook, you'll also learn that he does right now because of COVID outdoor stand up. So definitely go check him out in a neighborhood near you <laughs> <laughs> in New York or Connecticut. New York. Who knows? Thank you so much for having me. This was so great. Thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. If you love what you heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Seriously, rate, review, subscribe. Tell all of your friends. You know you want this podcast to grow, 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 and that's how you're going to do it. If you have a dating or relationship question, you can visit askamatchmaker.com and I will happily answer your questions next week. You can also follow me on Instagram at matchmakermaria for more dating and relationship tips. Again, warning, if you ask me a dating question in my DMs, I screenshot. So please do not come at me when I screenshot. That just tells me that you're new here. (laughs) Until then, see you next week.